Underground Overground, Wombling Free, Jack Mac and Steve Walsh, South London Hardcore Are We. That's right. So thank you. Uh this week's episode is about Wimbledon. I'm here with a very uh, Uncle Bulgaria figure, you might say, <laughs> Stephen Walsh. I'm sitting next to uh a Tomsk. I don't know what that means. Yeah, you see I'm I'm, I'm giving you some clues, it's good. Right, so Wimbledon, uh, home of the world-famous, uh, arguably the most prestigious tennis tournament in the world. The oldest. And, uh, yeah, one of the four Grand Slams, US Open, Australian Open, Roland Garros, also known as the French Open. When I went to uh, New York, right, just a little aside about the US Open, um, we got a cab from the airport. What airport was it, man? JFK is the obvious one. I think it was JFK, man. Is there, a, is there a Jimmy Carter airport? No, I think it was Jeff Cameron. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it wasn't LaGuardia. Okay. I learned from Seinfeld those are the main airports. Yeah. Yeah, I got a cab back from the airport to Manhattan. And the driver, right, didn't say anything. The whole journey, he bought some uh, weird, uh, like, presumably Puerto Rican fruit, yeah, <laughs> off the side of the road and just, like, kind of chewed it and spat this pits out the window. And he didn't say anything the whole journey, apart from when we went past Flushing Meadows and he went... Dennis. <laughs> but Wimbledon, no. I've never been, I don't think I've ever been to Wimbledon as a geographical area, let alone tennis championships. I went three times in five years, uh, which was, I think, 2001 to 2003. And um, Who was the most famous tennis player? Well, saw? Steve, I've got, I've got a bit of a list loads, in. And, loads, yeah. all of them. <laughs> um, Did you do the queuing up bit? Yeah, I'll tell you in a second, man. I'm eager, um, I'm eager. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not a massive tennis fan. It's apart from, other than football, it's the only sport that I've ever had any kind of sustained interest in. I do need to start playing it again. I mean, I'll, we'll do a Burgess Park episode when it reopens at the end of July, and I'll maybe I'll talk about smashing a tennis racket up against the wall in there and throwing it in a tree out of frustration. <laughs> <laughs> was it the tennis racket's fault that you lost that game? Well, it on was, reflection, it, it, was right? it was, really, because it was slightly bent from the previous summer where I'd whacked it against the floor out of frustration. And at that point, that was I don't you. cope with anger well. <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful, Wimbledon. It's like going to a festival. Like, yeah, the first time I went, I went with my friend Ben. Um, I think we have been four times out of the five. And... Um, we went there and we queued up. You get there at like 8 o'clock in the morning or whatever, or 9 o'clock, whatever it is, and you just sit down and queue up. And you don't, the queue doesn't move for ages, and then you just kind of slowly go around. But it's like there's loads of people there. Everyone's in such a great mood. You know, it was so hot as well. Um, we got terrible sunburn <laughs> the first time I went. <laughs> and there were, um, there's people walking down the line handing out, uh, from Mr. Kipling, handing out boxes. One box per person, Steve, of six Mr. Kipling limited edition uh, strawberry and cream like little pies. Oh, that's great, man. So then you go in, you get inside, and it's like you've got your, uh, you know, you get in with your, t- you buy your ticket and you get in for quite a reasonable price. And like you just wander around, you go whatever court you want to go to, apart from centre court, number one court, court two, um, <laughs> nah, nah. and parts of court three. But you can get on, no, but you can get on court three, you get on court 18 is the one, you go straight to court 18. You can see they have the big scoreboard, the big, um, kind of schedule up yeah, on the wall yeah. you know you go to the shops you know there's food people walking around people sitting on the grass you know Henman Hill Murray Mound Rosetsky Ridge whatever they call it you know <laughs> and yeah man it's just a great atmosphere um, and you sort of as I said for a reasonable price you get like it kicks off at what half 12 done that and it goes on to about 8 right permitting so you just get in hours and hours of stuff you can just go and you know you watch some of it you, you're watching some kind of less famous names but then, you know, I saw um, Yelena Dokic, remember? Oh, yeah, yeah. I kind of wandered about, we wandered around, and she was just playing on an out of court. It was only 2001, right? So the previous year was when she got to the quarterfinal. No, the semi-final, I think. Quarters and semi. So she was like, you know what I mean? She hadn't had a long period of success, but it was um, still quite exciting to just go and see her play like a set, the final set out on the You still get court. great stories with lesser players. Well, like, it was, a game, mm. was it last year or the year before they had that marathon match between those two guys? Oh, yeah, the record, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it just, it just carried on. Through, on yeah. And that, neither of those were, were seeds or anyone no, particularly that's big. It, yeah, it's you just... get locked into this. But there's plenty of people then, you can um, go and see for... Who was that American guy before? Jeff Tarengo? don't know, man. It was that American guy who did like a mad... Uh, rant against the umpire and again that wasn't in a major game it was just uh it turned into this incident with him just arguing with uh a line judge and umpire and i think uh he walked off and was just like disqualified 
Mm. Yeah, there's a lot. There's great stuff to see. Um, yeah. So the first year I went, um, we were me, my be, my friend Benny was like, you know, he was a big tennis fan already, so he kind of knew what to look out for, like what courts to go to. So we went straight to Call Three, and you have to kind of queue up. So you're not seeing any tennis while you queue up, but we're only there for about I suppose 20 minutes, waiting for Pat Rafter to finish against um, whoever he was playing somewhere. You know, it was an early round, and um, so he wins the game, Pat Rafter. And we're waiting in the queue, and Pat Rafter just walks right, <laughs> right up to us, and I, I just like people were like, "Say, oh, well done, Pat," or whatever. So I just put my hand out and say, "I said, well done, Pat," and like Pat Rafter shook my hand, right? <laughs> and he went on to get to the final, wasn't it, and lose to Goran Ivanovic there. Yeah. Pat Rafter tells that story a different way, doesn't he? Like, <laughs> uh... <laughs> no, but it's I've only ever uh, shook three athletes' hands, right? Can I guess the other two? Yeah. One Spurs player. No. None of them are Spurs players? No. Oh, then I'm stuck. Neither of them are footballers. Oh, right, then I'm in big trouble. I'll give you a clue, right? One is a sports entertainer that I uh, they did a sign-in in a shop I worked in. Mick Foley? Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Rock-solid handshake, man. <laughs> Very impressive. And the other one was a rugby player that went to London Nautical many years prior to me and gave me a Matt prize. Dawson. Jeff Probin. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 hell of a handshake. Got a... Uh, Pat Raft's a big lad as well, isn't he? Yeah. These are three people that you would not mess yeah, with. Yeah, he's a, a handsome man as well, man. You okay. know, long hair, kind of uh, sort of uh, weak shoulders. But... Did, did you have long hair at this point, or was it? I skinned, I think, back in those days. So we're, we're possibly looking at the origins of the long hair, isn't it? As an but I'm saying, like, uh, you're uh, an <laughs> impressionary senior, yeah. you look at Pat Raft and go, what a handsome yeah. man, what a firm handshake. Is that what a man looks like? I want to be this guy. Mm. Also saw Goran Ivanovic that year on call 18. Finals, and they went and played each yeah. other, yeah. And that was that tremendous final, Great which final, was luckily was on a Monday because I wasn't allowed to watch TV on a Sunday in those days. Yeah, unlike now, <laughs> where you're not allowed to watch TV on a Sunday, really, are you? So. Um, yeah, man, it was, it was that amazing final, and it was just like it was great to see Ivanovic win, having lost. Um, I mean, it was I hadn't watched him in the final when he lost against Pete Sampras a few years earlier, but he sort of was in there as a wild card, wasn't he? And uh, He'd never won a Grand Slam, and it was wonderful seeing him win. But my heart broke for Pat Rafter a bit. But he did win a US Open, so I mean, it's not like he's uh, going to end his career with no Grand Slams like Andy Murray. He also uh, met a young Jack McEnroe, didn't he? So, you know, he's, he's doing fine. Uh, See, I've never been to Wimbledon. I used to watch it a lot. I still watch it a fair bit now. But my enduring memory as a kid is when Wimbledon started, like a lot of kids, I think, uh, on the estate, we'd sort of set up makeshift uh, tennis courts in the back mm. garden. And it was remarkable. Like, we would properly stick with it for Wimbledon Fortnite and because <laughs> yeah. it it's around the time of the summer mm-hmm. holidays it would like last a fair bit for time we play more football obviously but um, yeah the, wood, the grass would get properly worn down yeah. we, you know like it does at Wimbledon we would actually ruin uh, and then we'd move there's like this, this big uh, patch of grass in our estate and then there was another smaller bit and all of a sudden we'd sort of like it was, I suppose it was court two innit we'd go to the <laughs> next court and just wear that out as yeah. well so we'd just like ruin all the grass that was, that was my memory of Wimbledon as well um, I don't want to tell you every single match I watch, Steve, but I'll go through it a bit longer, shall I? That's right, okay. I've got, I've got no matches to talk about, <laughs> so... Uh... Uh, yeah, so that first year I saw Virginia Wade and a Rancher Sanchez Vicario oh, wow. just walking around. Like, yeah, people yeah. just... T- between... This is the thing with Pat Rafter. Between courts, there's no, like, special route. You just walk past people. I imagine a Rancher Sanchez Vicario, if you shook her hand, would also have <laughs> quite a grip, innit? Yeah. She was a, she was a powerful woman. Did you ever shout anything during a match hoping they'd be caught by the cameras and played? Uh... Well, right. Kim Clijsters, yeah. I kind of took her liking to her. She hadn't really... She was very young at the time, 2001. Yeah. She went on to win a few things, didn't she? After yeah. That, you know, she got with Leighton Hewitt and stuff. But... Um, she won Leighton Hewitt. <laughs> <laughs> on court three, I did shout, come on, Kim. When no one else was shouting anything. <laughs> she, you know. And she t- turned around and gave you a little wink and she was like... Well, uh, you say that, yeah. A year later, or two years later, when I was at centre court, like, she won a match, and, like, people were leaving, and, like, she was packing up, yeah, genuinely, I'll show you the photo, I went, Kim, give us a smile, and she turned around and gave me this massive grin, and I took a photo. <laughs> it's out of focus, right? Because, like, I was, for some reason, I decided to wait until she smiled, then then focus it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, then, um, I saw Henman all three years that um, I went, I saw Henman play. Really, you could get a book out of your Wimbledon, you know, my well, Wimbledon moment, Shaggy McElroy. No one's going to buy this book. This is but... the, no, but genuinely, it's such great. Um, it's such a great day, man. You just packed saw Juan Carlos Ferrero play, uh, Richard Krychek. But It sounds like you have a chance to actually interact with him as well. That's part of the, yeah. the fun, I guess. Now, I, as I have no idea, I've never. Um, 
there is a point where the interaction has to stop, though, Steve. Um, what year would it have been? I think 2000... Well, let me explain the ticketing system first, right? We've already said that you turn up in the morning and you can get in, yeah. Uh, but they've got a real egalitarian approach to ticketing generally, where it's a ballot system. Well, I'm not sure if there are a certain amount of tickets you can just buy. I mean, certainly these things turn up in places where you can buy them. But I, you just, right, as an 18-year-old, I just filled in a form and sent it off, and I got a letter back going... On the 4th of July, women's semi-finals, you've got two tickets in centre court. No, £56 each, right? That's like eight, eight um, hours of tennis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because once you've done with centre court, you can walk off elsewhere. Yeah. And, yeah, it was Venus Williams against... Venus Williams and Serena Williams beat Amelie Moresmo and I think it was Justine and Anna Den, um, respectively. Um, yeah, it was great, man. So you're going to be both the Williams sisters, yeah, right? just yeah, sitting, yeah, yeah, just sitting there and watch all this... Uh, all this tennis for nothing. After I think that was the day because after that, they Stan Smith and someone else were coming on to do like the oldies. Oh yeah, because yeah. they have that as well. Yeah, you can yeah. go and watch some more tennis. This is the thing. It's, it's a great sport to watch. I mean, if you like it, um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Where you can kind of wander around and watch juniors. And, yeah, like, there's always something you you can stand there and watch tennis for a solid eight hours. Um, but yeah, then but Anna Kornikova was playing on another court, so we <laughs> ran down. Yeah, and the other thing with the tickets, right? They do this thing where like in the evening, four or five o'clock, six o'clock. They, um, when people are leaving Centre Court, they hand their tickets in. They put them into these like charity, these little bin, like ticket uh, depositories, and depository. Suppo- we'll go with suppository. That. Definitely not suppository. <laughs> we'll go with depository. Um, and they resell them, and the money goes to charity. Oh right. So what you do is like when it gets to a certain point in the day, you just start hanging around these things, or even go to the exits and just go to people like. Um, if you've got any, can I have your ticket? So you yeah. just go in rather than selling it to someone who's just come from work to yeah, yeah. get a cheap ticket. You go in and, and I remember sort of getting some two tickets of someone and a ticket of someone else and we're like, you know, what's the better seat? <laughs> so I'm like chucking the ticket away. And like we had this like, like I think it, we were in the front row for this Anna Kornikova doubles match. And like obviously it was much more full than it ought to have been. It was like, court, it was sort of centre, I think we'd been on centre court and it was on court one. But when the match finished, like, um, I was like, I was trying to get the ball boy was clearing. I was like, please, I was like, I'm trying to get um, her half drunk bottle of water. And he gave me a full <laughs> bottle of water that had been sitting next to her thing. You're like, it I'm worked. not thirsty, I want DNA. <laughs> yeah. I need genetic material yeah. for my cloning program. But earlier I'd seen her warming up, yeah. Like, there's a bit in the film Wimbledon, which we're going to cover in a few weeks in uh, South London Sport Films. This is all me talking, Stephen. It's made a change from your usual, uh, we get the name <laughs> Wimbledon from. Uh... We'll come to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd seen her warming up on the practice courts. You can kind of just go and watch people warm up, you know, big na- household names. So I'd seen her play there, and it's like, tick that off the list of things to do before you die. Yeah, yeah. See Anna Kornikova. But then, you know, almost got a water bottle, Stephen, not quite. I think she was playing with some Swedish guy. Yeah, so then I never went back after that. Why did, it sounds like you had a great time. Why yeah, you well, going? It's, it's the same thing with uh, sort of with going to gigs. You know, if you've got someone who gets the tickets for you and just is just, you know what I mean? They kind of motivate you. They yeah. kind of, you kind of follow, you motivate each other to do these things. But I mean, I stopped watching tennis as well. Um, and I, you know, you stop keeping up with it. Do you know what I mean? But it's one of those things where it's not that difficult to get back into, is it? No. no. So maybe I ought to, but I mean, Wimbledon's on at the moment as we speak. And I've not seen much. I mean, I'm not, I think I saw Sam Passway once, actually. You should mention that, innit? And I once, actually, <laughs> on court 18, I fell asleep watching um, a Todd Martin five-setter. <laughs> like, so, because we'd only, you know, when you queue up for court 18, well, it's ones with seats, it's difficult to get into. If you end up like, we've got one, and you end up getting split up from your friends. Oh, right, so, you yeah, know. Yeah. so I'm sitting there, like, thinking, if someone's next to me, they could keep me awake. Because you can't sit there talking, can you? And it was before <laughs> mobile phones. So you can go on Facebook while Todd Martin bored you still. That is entertaining, but if you're tired, you're tired. <laughs> you're tired? Todd Martin's running around. <laughs> yeah, another thing, Steve. Let me just chuck this in. I should have integrated it earlier, but I'll chuck it in now. You see, um, you know, the difference between the kind of rich, uh, you know, the household name, Roger Federer. Yeah. And like, I mean, obviously, you, you know, you tell them Touring apart. professionals. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? Telltale sign, orange marks on their socks. You know about that? No. no. You know where they play on clay? And my friend Ben pointed this oh, out on the first day. He goes, Have a look. Marks sort of yeah, thing. they yeah, got yeah. like they got clay marks, clay powder all over their socks. Obviously, just don't wash out. Yeah, yeah. Who's the Argentinian player that um, was it? David Nalbandian. He is maybe yeah, or maybe it wasn't him. It was someone who got to the semi-finals of Wimbledon. I mean, obviously, he went on to be like one of the best players in the world. So maybe it wasn't him. But there was someone who got to the semi-finals of Wimbledon who had to borrow shorts off of another player because they only had one pair. That's <laughs> that was about 2002, Because usually, obviously, with those situations, and I, I imagine anyone who's sort of getting 
to the later rounds of competitions, there's sponsors stepping, didn't they? You'd imagine someone, once someone gets to semi-finals, a sponsor would step in. I think they might have done. I think they might have done that yeah. point, but it was you know maybe in the second round. But this is the thing you do with with sports people. You just imagine they've got equipment, just gear all over the place, isn't it? Mm. Just like you know, more trainers they know what to do with as many sweatbands as they can you know consume in an hour. I've just remembered, Steve. Right? I had a job interview today, um, and they asked me uh, what's my biggest regret in life. No, what's the biggest mistake I made in my life, right? In your life? Yeah. That's beyond their remit, I, I think, isn't it? But you can't really say none of your business, can you? Also, it's a newspaper, so, you know... I don't to... tell people what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, I said that my biggest mistake was not making more effort not to click my knuckles when I was younger. I, couldn't think, I didn't know they were going to ask. I couldn't think of anything else. Right? And then, you know, I kind of stumbled through that. It didn't go that well. That yeah. Far. I mean, they, they were kind of... We just had a little chat about how you don't... They just, the woman would say, you don't get arthritis from it. And I said, I'm getting terrible pain. Then I thought, I shouldn't say I'm having pain in my hands. Because they're going to feel I can't operate a mouse and stuff. <laughs> and, then I, and then I just said, um, yeah, that and not taking up tennis at a younger age. So she also said, describe yourself in three words, right? So, waste man. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> A moist bread. <laughs> yeah, moist. Um, no, so I said, um, I can't remember the first thing I said. Something like um, friendly. Yeah, not friendly. I think I said personable. I think I said personable, yeah. Yeah. And then I said radiant. Right? <laughs> and then I said warm. Yeah. <laughs> and, she, and she goes, isn't radiant the same as warm? And I went... <laughs> Your, one of your three words would be pedant. <laughs> I said uh, warm as in I emit heat and radiant as in I emit light. <laughs> so I'll find out next week. This guy this guy's like the sun, yeah? He's <laughs> like the sun. Uh, <laughs> I think that's legitimate, man. I think that's fair. Yeah. Well, the tennis tournament, Steve, existed long before I went in that small window. Should we uh, talk a little bit about it? I thought, right, rather than reading about it, I'll just go on YouTube and type in Wimbledon documentary. Yeah. And, like, then hopefully there'll be something. Although there all, often isn't. Typed yeah. it in, yeah. Two days before, Rolex had uploaded a two-hour documentary <laughs> on Wimbledon. On I can't believe of... my luck, man. So we'll put that on the website. We'll put a link to it. I don't have any internet. Should we make Rolex the sponsors of uh, this episode? <laughs> uh, Neither of us have a watch. So. They've been sponsoring Wimbledon since uh, 1978. So. Okay. And Lakeisha explained that Jay Z line to me uh, off of. Uh... About so many watches on his eight arms. No, oh. not that, right? I did you can not... see what I was thinking yeah. there, not it? No, yeah. no, the. Um, uh, I've got a broke clock, Rollies that don't tick tock. Apparently, a real Rolex doesn't make a noise, but fake Rolexes tick, generally. Oh. And they break a lot, real Rolexes. Really expensive watches, apparently, break a lot. Because... According to Lakeisha. <laughs> because it's so delicate inside. Yeah, I was going to say, I, it's I, like. So, you know, I keep having to get these watches mended. Also, right, you know, there's a you know, me and Steve were talking casually about Jay Z and Kanye West lyrics. There's a bit on the album, yeah. Um, so many watches, I need eight. Arms. Yeah, that's the, the reference of what you. So I said for. to Kezia, right? Um, how many watches does he have if he requires eight arms? She couldn't get it, man. What is it, Steve? <laughs> uh, I'm assuming eight. No, because you only have one watch per two hands. Four watches, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh. Although I don't know if that's if he's got exactly four watches, Jay Z. I imagine yes. I imagine it's more than four watches and also more than eight watches. Watches the friend. <laughs> Do you keep mentioning Rolex? They'll get involved. That's another thing, though. Um, like I was saying about the ticketing system, like the very little sponsorship at um, Wimbledon. You know, they yeah they don't they, have it on the. Um... No, they've got like the the Rolex, the clocks, the clocks all around the place are Rolex clocks. Yeah, clocks right. And they got the speedometer as IBM because they make the speedometer, and someone has to make the clock. But they don't have, unlike the French Open, where there's all those adverts for the BMP. <laughs> also, it's controversial. <laughs> yeah, it's just. But frozen, then, but then, then you hear about you know electoral victories for the far right in France, and you realise no, they're, Maybe. They're, they're just allowing it to happen. Yeah, it's just you know it's not all about the money, even with the kind of uh, the fact that you've got to have a majority white um, uh, outfit. I was, gonna say, I was gonna say crowd. <laughs> That's not obligatory, but <laughs> it, it does. It just kind of it forces people like Nike into an awkward, not awkward position, but it yeah. just means they can't just throw out their. You know, if you see, if you see photos of Andre Agassi, Agassi outrageous yeah. stuff yeah. from other tournaments. I had this um, 
I bought this when I was about 14. I bought a white night tennis shirt, yeah, with um, white sleeves with black stripes on it, yeah, and just the night logo for 50p from a charity shop. <laughs> and I, I don't know if I've ever worn an item of clothing more. <laughs> and I eventually got, I started work for, um, in this food warehouse and spilt some flavoured oil on it, and it never came out, man. Well, no, it's good. You just wear it and you say to people, it's clay from uh, <laughs> Roman Garros. It's from Roman Garros. So, so, you know. Yeah, so it started in 1877. Um, tennis started, posh people invented it, didn't they? So it was a pastime. I read uh, a great quote uh, from a history of Wimbledon where um, the writer said uh, the king gave the order for the covers to be removed. People took their seats, the players took their positions, and the heavens immediately opened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just people running around in dresses or suits and it basically just sort of <laughs> prancing around, knocking a ball just, over. Just, you know, in tuxedos. Yeah, you it's know. a far cry from Mark Philippoussis just smashing it <laughs> into the ground into the Blackpool. What's that convict doing? But like, yeah, in this documentary, right, well worth watching, um, they've got this guy in it, this American journalist, who's like, he's like a comedy character, man. It's like, it reminds me a bit of that, uh, the Vic Reeves you know, doing that, you know, what a guy with a uh, cigar when I first met, you know. Oh, is it, um... His name's something like Deptford something. Not Deptford as in, like, <laughs> in South London. I was thinking, who's the trainer who worked with everyone? Agassi, Bolli- uh, Nick Bolliateri? No. All oh, right, do you know him, though? I don't know. He's a, he's a fascinating character. He, he basically is a self-taught tennis trainer who oh, right. worked with... Uh, Anyone who became any good, essentially. Mostly, most famous working with Andre Agassi. Um, um, but sort of, people would sort of go to him with specific things about just their backhand, and he'd sort of look at them for five minutes and go, you, you just got your elbow too high, obviously. And then they'd lower their elbow and would then go off and win the US Open. It was remarkable. Right, 1919, Steve. Uh, Suzanne Longlin. You heard of her? No. Right, she turns up. She's kind of the first kind of celebrity uh, tennis player. And this guy in the documentary goes, uh, I won't do the voice. <laughs> You'll it, do the voice. <laughs> it was not uncommon for one breast or the other to fall out of her outfit. On the French Riviera, they nicknamed her breast Mary and Jane. Which I'm <laughs> not sure that is. a kind of comedy American accent. And also, someone else in the documentary says, tennis is a celebration of men's and women's bodies. This is... Uh, which, which is, is true. With the sort of the, the sideline mention of the Sabrina video from last time, we're getting a pattern. The most <laughs> yeah. Which I've got nothing against. But... Explicit tag on iTunes. But then they cut to someone wolf whistling on, on Dragacy when he's changing his shirt, so maybe... Right. You know, they moved. 1922, Steve. Moved up the road, four miles. No, I didn't know that. Uh, then Fred Perry won a load. And then... Uh... <laughs> this is your history of Wimbledon. Then, uh, yeah, Fred's... that's the thing. People don't need to know. Fred, Fred, yeah. People know Fred Perry. It's won, just so... Um... Nineteen thirty six was the last yeah. was the last British male to win the singles. So most people would think he's a clothes designer. Yeah, yeah. Nineteen seventy seven, you know, Silver Jubilee, Virginia Wade mm-hmm. uh, wins. This is the trouble with a the documentary, they tie a lot of things in like uh you know, nineteen seventy seven it was the Queen's Jubilee, you know, they go, you know, and the what's her name one, Virginia Wade. And then uh like in the eighties, like they paint the um the first McEnroe Borg final as if like Britain really needed it like, <laughs> like they're like showing like the mi- miners and stuff yeah yeah and like you know they're trying to make it in this social history documentary which it isn't the you know the writers of Toxdef and the miners all sat down yeah. to enjoy Borg's uh, exquisite serve oh yeah there was a nice bit from uh, 1946 um, these players well because it was still they were still rationing yeah they were like um, American players were stopping off in Ireland to buy like a load of butter and stuff. This American guy, yeah, said he brought um, three steaks for each day that he was going to be there. Some player, and like he can, he puts that down to part of the reason why he uh, did well. I think he won. Apparently, Robinsons was invented there. Squash invented, yeah. Like, some guy, the guy from Robinsons was like, you know, people were overheating, so uh, <laughs> like he just like mixed up a bit of barley with some uh, water and something else. And it's synonymous drink. with it, but I wouldn't. Yeah. I didn't know. And they, was... They're one of the few sponsors. All the sponsors there are very functional, aren't they? Yeah, Unlike yeah. the World Cup, where it's just like the official late, Phillips Lady Shave, the official <laughs> Lady Shave of the World Cup. And like you know, they quite shamelessly have Coca Cola 
mm. logos behind players after the game. Like, yeah. you know, like these players are touching yeah. Coca Cola. Well, they do like, they'd be, these things are like the official, you know, Vans, the official slip on shoe of the World Cup. <laughs> so, 19, uh, that was uh, 1980, Bob McEnroe, the first one. Um, which is when it becomes interesting to me, kind of the way, like, boxing is interesting. Like, I'm not interested in boxing as, like, a sport. But like you know, sort of uh, the just, personalities involved. Yeah, and the yeah. I, it becomes so iconic. Yeah, you know? yeah. But like you, you know, you got um, McEnroe and Borg both in those headbands. One with the kind of bushy. Yeah, you yeah. know, he's the kind of uh, brat, and it's used you know standard thing, you know. Um, and Bjorn Borg is just kind of. Uh, oh, I've got a soft spot obviously because I used to have that hair, and occasionally would wear a band that way, <laughs> a headband at, only at home. <laughs> But yeah, they so anyway. I mean, people can you know they don't want the history of Wimbledon off me, Steve. But Borg wins, didn't he? The next year, spoilers. Next year, fourth uh, of July, nineteen eighty-one. My parents got married. John McEnroe wins his uh, first Wimbledon that day. And this is all in documentary. Your mum does movies. And then yeah, Beck. Um, I mean, uh, actually, I'm going to skip this, man. What's it? I don't know, man. It's something about the court getting slowed down. Uh, Roof. Maybe we'll put up some clips, Steve. You know. Yeah, we'll definitely put up some clips, isn't it? Find some highlights. Right, that's me done for the tennis. Oh yeah, the one last thing, right? I was saying about uh, South London sport movies. My mum goes. Um, she went to Wimbledon in, in I think 1978, and they were filming um, Ali McGraw. You know, uh, Steve McQueen's. Oh yeah. Uh, bird. yeah. Uh, they were filming a Wimbledon, a film with her in called Players. So we'll have to look that up, man. I've never heard that. No, nah, but I mean, it doesn't have a Wikipedia entry. Not one that links directly from Alan McGrath's page, anyway. Okay. So I'll have to try and look. It's difficult. Is it listed on the filmography or anything? It's or? listed on oh, the right, filmography. So, so it was just produced. was in red. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's the kind of Alan McGrath film that I don't know if it's all set in Wimbledon. Alan McGrath's lost classic. Maybe. I'll get, I'll get back to other times I've been to to the area of Wimbledon <laughs> later on, Steve. You've gone for other reasons than tennis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to work. My first ever job, um, well, I worked work experience in a foundry in Charlton. It's all South London, man. We'll bring it up at a later day when we do <laughs> Charlton or when we do foundries of South London. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, my first... Uh... Episode 160. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather they just quit because they're doing foundries now. And when I say foundries, I mean foundry. Yeah, we've got the Burgess Park Lime Kiln. <laughs> yes, I worked at the Trinitarian Bible Society, which I think is in Malden, though, really, man. You can't, I used to get the train to South Wimbledon Station, but I used to walk so far from it. to. Uh... It's probably the wrong station. <laughs> no, but it was like equidistance between Malden and South Wimbledon. Okay. And like, if you're walking south of South Wimbledon Tube Station... So should I save that for the Morden episode or the Bible Societies of South London episode? Save it for next week when we do the South Wimbledon episodes. <laughs> if we're doing New Cross in Telegraph Hill, we can do Wimbledon and South Wimbledon there. Hyperlocal. Lower South Wimbledon. <laughs> Kezia, my sister, she uh, studied her foundation art year at Wimbledon College. So it's a good we... art college, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She went on to Campbell after that, so, yeah. Another good college. Is, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we went to a final year show um, at Women and College. That was another reason to go, is it? Obviously, it's mostly rubbish. But... No, I can't really remember. <laughs> I'll say that, but I can't remember, man. Well, then definitely don't say it's mostly rubbish. I feel like we should, go, we should go. We should have made an effort to go to the final year show, Steve, shouldn't we? Brought the microphone with us. Let's do it next year. Do it next year. Because we've got a year's now. notice then, rather than doing it now, where so, this all kicking off this roughly week, roughly episode 75, yeah? Check it, listen yeah. out for episode 75, guys. And, if, and then uh, we'll do 175 doing foundries. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. save it. I'm going to start looking for uh, clips on YouTube of foundries now, I think. <laughs> yeah, you want to be well prepared, yeah, don't you? I need, I need those posts ready. Yeah. What I'll do is I'll save them as a uh, draft. Don't post them. You know that book I've got you, Steve? Uh, <laughs> the... Industrial Britain <laughs> in the 18th century. <laughs> foundries, brackets, South London. <laughs> Pages 118 <laughs> to 242. This is uh, too much information. We get the name Wimbledon from uh, Winman's Hill, was the original name of the area, uh, the, the sort of central hill being called Winman's Hill, and Don being a traditional English word to replace hill. So it was Wim, Winman's Don, oh. and over the years became various uh, versions of that until so they eventually settled on Wimbledon. 
Um, there's where do we get the name South Wimbledon? <laughs> Lower Wimbledon. Well, we get the name uh, Don from the <laughs> Um The area uh, is essentially split into two apparently quite distinct parts. You have the village area and the town area. You mean in, in yesteryear? Well, uh, apparently even now there's sort of Wimbledon village and there's the, the sort of the, the town area. This is sort of seen as um, the village is the older part and it's where the high street is. The town developed with uh, the uh, building of a railway station and links to London. So initially you had, and the common has always sort of dominated the area. Um, so initially you had just large houses built by very wealthy people around the common. Mm-hmm. Then with the building of the railway station, you get smaller houses, but still very nice houses from the emergent middle classes that sort of come to the area. And then eventually, as the area becomes increasingly residential, you get um, normal houses, I guess mm. you call them, which is where, where, where people actually live rather than have, uh, you know, mad acres around the place. We don't have servants anymore, Steve. <laughs> and of course, with the common, we have one of the most famous aspects of Wimbledon, I would argue, the Wombles. Yeah, I'm familiar with it as a TV show, mostly from the theme tune, which I was uh, speaking the words of in the intro. Of course, yeah. The books were the invention of Elizabeth Beresford. Um, Apparently her daughter um, mistakenly called the area Wombledon one day, and she just went, ah, like that word, and created the, the story of these adventures of these animalistic creatures who were probably made more famous by uh, the TV show that came later on. I remember the first series from the 70s, but I haven't seen... There's a more modern one than the 90s, which I haven't seen. No, me neither. Um, I'm too young, really, to have... Well, no, I remember. I'm the right age to have seen the I remember. I I was aware of it, you know, always aware of the Wombles growing up. But um, I've never really seen it. It's just a theme tune. It's just memorable, isn't it? Um, so I went back and watched the, the first episode on YouTube, and yeah, it's got that kind of charming seventies BBC stop motion thing. Which uh... well, the stop motions, um, Ivor Wood, who also works. Ivor on... Wood or what? <laughs> That's the same. Oh, we're doing uh, Abbott Costello now. <laughs> Who's on first? Uh... <laughs> That's what I'm asking you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Ivor Wood, who uh, you know, as a debut, made the Magic Roundabout which isn't bad, and went on to the Wombles and then Paddington Bear, which are arguably the three most successful and best stop motion. Some stop motion head's going to go nuts at me for saying that, but they're they're pretty major. Someone's at home now going, what about... Bagpuss, sorry, scrap that. What about Astro Farm? (laughs) Phil Nash, maybe. (laughs) But, um, yeah, no, quite a a decent TV. And obviously um, voiced entirely by Bernard Cribbins. If you're going to get anyone involved to do your voices, try and get Bernard Cribbins, isn't it? I mean, we mentioned you, him. You know Bernard Cribbins. Back, you, yeah. you probably know Bernard Cribbins exclusively. Vision not Who. impaired. Yeah, you, you, know, you only know him from Doctor Who. Trust Running me, the paint he gun. was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Doctor Who, you're not seeing the best of Bernard Cribbins, kids. Do do uh, search out his earlier work. Yeah, and as you say, the theme tune, uh, written by Mike Bat, who cleverly, as it turns out, waived his fee for writing the TV theme tune. And in, in exchange for the rights to the Wombles as live performers, did you know this? No. So basically, he said, "I don't want to get paid for that, but can I have the Wombles as characters to do music and live performance with?" Oh wow! And they went, "Yeah, all right. Hmm. Well, what's going to happen there?" Like George Lucas with the, uh, the merchandise. Right. merchandise I had yeah. the merchandise rights. Got to take it. <laughs> um, you know yeah. what? One hundred percent of nothing is nothing. <laughs> yeah. But Mike Back cleverly then uh, recruits some of the best session musicians going uh, to be the Wombles. Almost, it's almost like he got people that were too good. For what's essentially a novelty <laughs> record. Um, the guitarist... Uh, Roddy Womble, who went on to uh, be an <laughs> idol wild. Well, this is the thing. What's interesting as well, he hired these wonderful session musicians, but then would get them to actually be on top of the pops. Oh, so, I shouldn't be looking yeah, at those. Yeah, don't be looking at those. I just saw Nilsson Schmelson. Well, this is the thing. It was an album the, which I've been uh, yeah. loving lately. Uh, and the guitarist on that, Chris Spedding, is the guitarist from the Wombles. Wow. Uh, yeah, but this you is the thing. the lime in the coconut. <laughs> you familiar with Nelson Schmelson? Uh, I know. Uh, well, see, that's nah. from... Uh, Plus, it was my desktop was... wallpaper yeah. for some time. That's, that's how I knew that you'd love Nelson Schmelson. Yeah, so he was, he was just, a guitarist. I mean, just, just before we move on, Steve. Go for it. Just that record. The cover's great, yeah, right? the cover's remarkable. It's the, the typography of Nelson Schmelson's great, but him just standing there in a dressing gown, man. 
you know what's remarkable about Chris Bellion though? Even right. though you've had that spoil for you, I can give you other nuggets of gold from this yeah, man's do, career. Man, so he's a guitarist in the Wombles and would like turn up for Top of the Pops and live performances to mime being a Womble. <laughs> he's in the, he in, in the suit, in the suit, dressed as a Womble. Because like Mike Bat's mum made him a Womble suit for him to do promotional work. But then he realised it'd be good if everyone was dressed as a Womble. <laughs> so they got the suits back. And he had the rights completely. Does he sing it, Mike Bat? I, I would assume so, yeah. As far as I understand, he's a vocalist. Um, yeah, so Chris Bedding guitarist on the Ocean's Mills which I know you all love uh, had a period of time in Roxy Music alright um, produced Sex Pistols demos <laughs> um, went on to be quite big yeah they? plays on Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds album oh wow um, and which is interesting because it also oh, oh, features we'll coming back to War of the Worlds features these, Wimbledon yeah. as well so, so. Um, he's also worked with Tom Waits Elton John and Katie Malure. So, you know, he, 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 will, he, he will do anything <laughs> if you've got uh, cash. But do you know what the scary thing is? Uh, Chris Bedding, I would argue, is not the most musically successful one. Jimmy Page. <laughs> well, it's funny you should say that because the, the guy I'm going to mention almost joined Led Zeppelin. Uh, Clem Catini is the, the the drummer in the Wombles, and on a couple of occasions, oh, okay. almost John you, uh, death. yeah, yeah. Well, before Bonham actually, it was it got to a point where it was him or Bonham was going to be in Led Zeppelin. Oh, what, and they the went 60s for Bonham. Then, yeah, he's yeah he's. Uh, oh, right, okay. um, have you heard of Clem Catini? No, what, what does he play? You've, like? He's the drum, he's a drummer. No, but I mean, are you going to give me a list of his? We well, I, I can't give you a full list huh. because Clem Catini has appeared on forty four UK number one singles. I'm going to let it sink in. Wow. That is remarkable, What's isn't it? What's the most... What, what I'm gonna, I've got... Uh, granddad. Was he on Granddad? He, like I've done. <laughs> he, seriously, he's the drummer on Granddad. Any novelty record of the 70s, Clem Catini did the drums. That's, that uh, is a, yeah, a wonderful... Did you bad. read off the... No, no, no. no. It's only um, a novelty hit. He was in the Tornadoes. Was he, in, was he on that one where the guy goes, for the nine months you carried me? No charge. That is American movie. <laughs> <laughs> but it might have been because uh, he did some international stuff. Um, he was he was a founder member of the Tornado, so he's on Telstar. Um, what and the Tornadoes? They were like one of the first pop groups. It's like oh, a right. Joe Meek. Uh, oh, yeah. You know that film Telstar a couple of years ago? Yeah, yeah, I remember seeing the He's, he's played by James Corden in uh, the film Telstar. Is he? He oh, is. No. Yeah. Mark uh, Commode said it was... Uh... All right, though. It sounds quite good, actually. I don't know, yeah. Um, it's so, probably a pre-Brent, David Brent um, impression, uh, James Corden, maybe. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be no, it's not early Corden. It's sort of mid-Corden, <laughs> I think. Corden. Yeah, so he's on uh, Telstar by the Tornadoes. Uh, he also drums on You Really Got Me by The Kinks. Oh, wicked. Uh, it's Not Unusual by Tom Jones. Tears by Ken Dodd. The <laughs> Sun Ain't Gonna Shine Anymore by The Walker Brothers. You Don't Have to Say You Love Me by Dusty Springfield. I'm making all kinds of faces, by the way. The Green Green Grass of Home by Tom Jones. The Last Waltz by Engelbert Humperdinck. Two Little Boys, Rolf Harris. Oh, of course. Grandad, Clive Dunn. <laughs> Chirpy Chirpy Cheap Cheap by Middle of the Road. <laughs> Get It On by T-Rex. What? And Ernie, Ernie, The Fastest Milkman in the West by uh, Benny Hill. Uh... So he's on... All these comedy records, any comedy record of the 70s, yeah, should go to and Get It On by T-Rex, and You Really Got Me by The Kinks. Yeah. 44, I, I say, do do, amazing, do yeah. Google that, I'll because it's yeah. worth, I, I've just picked out some favourites here, but 44 number one singles. And uh, obviously a couple of number ones were with the Wombles, or maybe just one number one, but you know, he's, yeah. he's, he's a Womble as well. So you've got Chris, Chris Spedding and Ken Cattini working alongside... Uh, Mike Bat, who arguably made a very good deal the day he said, don't pay me for that record, let me just have the Wombles for a bit. And they went, that's fine. Talking of the Wombles. Yeah. Quiz time, isn't it? Oh yeah, go on. A little bit of a quiz. How many Wombles can you name? One. And the thing is, I'm going to ask you <laughs> to name that Womble. Uncle Bulgaria. Even that's wrong. Well, he's not a Womble, is he's he? He's great uncle Bulgaria. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> I gave you one in the is intro. Is anyone's uncle in it? It's, uh, well, here's, here's a clue. I'm going to let you have a guess after this. The Wombles are all named after places. And in the okay. books, apparently, the rule is Wombles so don't have a called... name until they come of age. Then they're allowed to look in great uncle Bulgaria's atlas and they choose a name based uh, on a place okay. in the world that appeals to them. But 
I mean, on on that basis, you want to have a guess at some some place names that might Malta. turn up. No, Gibraltar. <laughs> no, uh, Uruguay. Water. No, are there cities or countries? This is the thing. It's it's remarkable. I'll, I'll read some out for you. Uh, Tobermory, place in Scotland. Orinoco. What's the story of Tobermory? There you go. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Um, Bungo, <laughs> Tomsk, Wellington, Madame Cholet, and Miss Adelaide. Adelaide, oh, yeah. obviously, Alderney. Oh, I've been to Alderney, by the way. Been, have you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cairngorm McWomble the Terrible. I would argue only part no. of that name is from a place. Uh, terrible. Uh, Shanzi Stepney. Oh, yeah. And Obidos. So this is the is thing, like, you have... Uh, I think Obidos might be Brazil. Um, Shanzi is named after a province in China. Uh, and Bungo is from, I think, a, a, a Japanese... Uh, Prefecture. So Mongo in the Congo. No, it's, it's it's all over the place. It is it's it's sort of cities, provinces, countries. Nice to mix it up. Yeah, but um, it's a, a smart way to. Because thing is, like Tomsk. As a kid, I used to watch. Uh, What's that um, Ukrainian? I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure where Tomsk. I did see the list, but I can't remember where Tomsk is from. But even with Orinoco, it never occurred to me that was a place. Obviously, Great Uncle Bulgaria. Hmm. That's a bit of a giveaway, yeah. but it never occurred to me that yeah. Obviously, in the area, you had Wimbledon FC and then AFC Wimbledon, who were both allowed to use Wombles as club mascots. When the MK Dons moved to Milton Keynes, <laughs> they asked yeah. uh, they asked if they could have uh, a Womble mascot. And uh, beautifully, uh, they were refused the right to yes. use a Womble as mascot. Um, the Womble that worked for Wimbledon FC originally... Uh, it was called uh, Wandle, named a after place. it's named after the River Wandle, which runs nearby. Oh, right. that's so legitimate. yeah, that's legitimate. Fine. That's fine. Um, the new Wandle is called Hayden. And what does that refer to? Named after Hayden Road, which was uh, oh. uh, near Plough Lane. So they're sort of echoing that's the old club now. So that's it's nice, isn't it? Gone into it? That's the thing. When I read Hayden the Wandle, Garnosaurus. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tottenham used to have two mascots, right? They were both. Uh, Cockerels called Tot and Ham. Oh dear! Currently got Chirpy, obviously. Nice. So it's the second incarnation, though. It's completely different to the last Chirpy. Does anyone point out the uh, discrepancy between just you? Yeah, I mean, spook- <laughs> spooky people know from uh, Twitter. Uh, <laughs> they dear Mister Levy fame. He always refers to uh, post plastic surgery to Chirpy. <laughs> but yeah, when I read Hayden, I thought that's a shame. It's the modern world getting involved there. This but then, the like, modern world. It's, it, it does work. It is uh, allowed. So, uh, yeah, that pleased me. So, yeah, the Wombles are remarkable. I mean, I know, you know, it's not, well, it's not a tenuous thing to Wimbledon, is it? They, no. you know, they live on Wimbledon Common. Mm. Um, yeah, and you must have been to Wimbledon Common. Never been to Wimbledon Common. When I was a kid, man. I'm well, saying this. Lived in, well, aren't you lived in Wimbledon? I never had any Once, family right, in Wimbledon. I um, decided to build my own computer, yeah. I wasn't like seven and I was just being stupid, making it out of cardboard. Like I was like in uh, studying A level computing, and my friend Ashraf was like, "Yeah, just buy this, this, this. It'd be fine." I'd been inside a couple you've, of computers. You've done this before, haven't you? yeah. But this was the first one I did completely right. from scratch. Right, okay. I bought all the parts. Yeah, you know, and it was comes out so much cheaper. Obviously, yeah, you yeah. Buy everything completely separately, put it all together, and it didn't work. I was just like, oh, man, it was killing me. Do you know what I mean? Because you know, you know, it was like meant to be my birthday present. And it got to like March. My birthday's in January. It still wasn't working. <laughs> So in the end, so I took the RAM back, right? You know, like the little random access memory chip. Yeah. The train, so like, I don't even know where it was. It's the only time I've ever, like, walked across a train line as well, from one platform to the other, for a laugh. I don't know. There was no trains coming. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> like North London somewhere. Um, <laughs> that didn't work, right? So in the end, ended up, like, I got my mate Tim Larlan. Yeah, shout out to Tim Larlan. Probably doesn't listen. But uh, <laughs> hope uh, Rams Bottom Street and you nice as uh, Peckham did. And, uh, yeah, he drove me to uh, this computer shop in Wimbledon where I bought, like, the motherboard from. And I just took the whole computer and I was like, this is the motherboard's not working. We took it out of the back and he went, yeah, what you've done, you've screwed the motherboard directly into the casing. You need to put some brass screws in between. And it worked. Yeah. Yes. It's fine, man. They go, I go, can I buy some four brass screws? They're like, no, you can buy There's a multi-pack of, of screws for, like, ten quid. 
Right, and obviously, I mean, I don't think they were trying to knock me. That's just yeah, yeah. they're not going to they're already, not going to tear open a bag no, of. Uh, they've already diagnosed, yeah, yeah, yeah. my computer. But this, I was well useful, man. This little box of screws, man. I used it for other computers. The thing is, they if they were to rip you off, they sort of go, "We can fix this. Leave it with us tonight. Pick up tomorrow. We'll call it twenty quid." Yeah, and they just like and twenty quid know. in those days is the equivalent of like twenty two quid now. <laughs> but yeah, so in a way, this show is sponsored by some computer shop in Wimbledon, yeah, that once did a good thing. <laughs> I've no idea where it is. There's another big computing link. To Wimbledon. Do you know about this? Is it? Let me just have a, sh- have a guess here, Steve. Yeah. Oh, I've got two things. Go on in. Both to do with Wimbledon sponsorship. Okay. Right. AFC yes. Wimbledon, right? Yeah. Sponsored by, you know, the People's Club in a way, aren't they? Yeah. They're the kind of, uh, probably the most uh, successful fan started. Sort of grassroots. Grassroots yeah. club, yeah. aren't they? And they were sponsored by, um, originally by Sports Interactive. Yeah. Was it or was it Idos? Idos, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who uh, who co-created Championship Manager? Well, this is the thing. I and I knew that they sponsored, but I didn't know why. But they were based in Wimbledon. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so Championship Manager was born in Wimbledon, and of course, oh wow, the other big the hours Idos, you and I that have spent, yeah. Uh, well. Let's not say wasted; it's an investment. <laughs> um, but the other great Idos invention, of course, Tomb Raider. Yeah. So Lara Croft. Wow. It's from Wimbledon, in a way. In a way. In a way. But Lara Croft and Championship Manager, I mean, Lara Croft's obviously a global phenomenon. Yeah, that was an incredible, that was huge, wasn't it? In but like Championship Manager, huge international appeal. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a famous story when um, Peter... Oh, Serafinovich. Who's the guy who gave uh, Beckham the England captaincy the first time? Um, Manchester. Leicester. He's got the same name as the Brian Clough's assistant, hasn't he? Taylor, Peter Taylor. Peter Taylor. Cut all that. Well, we don't know who Peter Taylor is. Um, when Peter Taylor took over as a new manager and picked a younger team than normal, they were due to play, I think it was Italy, in a friendly. And the Italian manager was like, I have no idea. This is the, uh, possibly mm, an apocryphal story, story, but he was like, no, yeah. That's yeah, true, I think. He was like, uh, I, I don't know a lot of uh, who a lot of these players are. And someone, let's say, who do you want to say? Who was the player? There was a player that looked it up, wasn't it? Yeah. Basically, he took out his laptop fired up championship manager and went Emil Heskey we can probably ignore him he, did, he didn't say that but that would have been uh, the, the sort of an uh, analysis you'd get from. but it was it was remarkable I mean the first time you play championship manager it's overwhelming it consumed it? my life it is my, in my late teenage years and the thing is it's a database isn't it no, you know, I mean, later on, an, they, they, added, one, they added bells and whistles but no, no but without, yeah, no, no, I know but when I started playing in 1998 I mean, you couldn't you can see the football being played, no, yeah. but that's not the appeal now. No, 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 of course it, not. But it was you know, it's wonderful. The amount of time I spent on it, I just get more joy out of playing that than doing anything else. We're not going to... We, we talked about it earlier, and uh, I'd happily talk for hours about Championship Manager, but as you said... I've got a strong belief that um, the two most boring things that people can talk about is their dreams. Like, oh, I had this dream last night. Oh, it's never, never, never interesting, is it? Ever. Or when they go, oh, let me talk to you about my championship manager achievements. And they just start telling you Can about... Can I tell you a very quick story? <laughs> this is true. About five years ago, I dreamt I had a shoe that I could play championship manager on. So in that, in that one story, that's your two greatest fears. Uh, yeah. and, but actually, also, that's quite a good story. At the same time, you proved me wrong. Because <laughs> you, you're, you're glad you've heard that. I am. Um, can we just do... Just because I've got a quarter. Go can on, we just do... Out, we, we'll do one each, just to be fair. What yeah. was your finest moment on championship manager? Because um, some people listening to this will enjoy this, and loads of people won't, and we apologise for that. I got, uh, I broke the all-time uh, points record for the English second tier with West Ham, having gotten promoted yes. the previous season. Totty, I had. So. <laughs> <laughs> Good work. I had Cherno Samba, and he was twenty-eight. So nice, bloody hell! Right, let's move on, mostly. Can I quickly do my one? Go on quickly. Don't cut this out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had Roy De Lapp at Liverpool, and we won the European. The European Cup, uh, three years in a row. I was correcting the dynasty, it was ridiculous. Um, and I, I was getting bids left, right and centre for Roy Delap. He was European Football of the Year three years in a row. European Footballer of the Year. Oh, you've just made it sound like a ridiculous game. Now. It is. Well, uh, I, I got I got a bid from Juventus for £28 million, And I kept just knocking them back. And then eventually, I think it was Milan, came over £40 million bids for Roy Delap. And I was That's like... I had, I had a, another right sale player, which was good anyway, so I just like sold Roy that for £40 million after making a European football year. I made a personal rule for myself, Stephen. I would estimate uh, probably 2003, where I said I'm not going to ever play Championship Manager again until I've made um, a feature film. 
right? And I've stuck to that in a way, yeah, but not because I've made a feature film. <laughs> <laughs> but in the meantime, uh, you have got married. So I think that's a positive outcome. I still play championship manager. So, they, they, you know, there's a lesson just, there. It just ends up being so... It just consumes so much of your time. It's I remember on Christmas Day horrific. once, right? I played... I got Championship Manager for Christmas. Yeah, I reckon it would have been Championship Manager 2000. Right? It was the first... Or Championship Manager 3. It was, I think it was the first one after the DOS-based yeah. Championship Manager 98. It's just thrilling listening for the... Championship list. Manager 3 was like the first big hit, uh, wasn't it? And I played it for three hours solid on Christmas Day, right? Christmas Day. Right? That was pre-season. <laughs> uh, Liverpool and I lost the first game of the season 7-0 <laughs> all your preparation for nothing exactly <laughs> right we're meant to be talking about the history of uh... oh yeah the other computer link to Wimbledon oh yeah Is, do you remember tiny computers oh yeah I do was it tiny time there were two right they just adverts on the telly all the time for these two companies time computers and tiny yeah and like they were just like home computers at a reasonable price they yeah. weren't actually tiny they were just <laughs> misleading um and they've just completely fallen by the wayside, both of those companies, as far as I can tell, unless they're still going. And they're they both based in Wimbledon? No, I neither of them are, but one of them sponsored Wimbledon. Okay. Yeah, right. Before they moved up north. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Steve, you got anything else on the history of Wimbledon? Um, it used to be a borough of it in its own right, didn't it? I've got this book, right? I'll uh, show you it at some point, called London. Right. <laughs> Was it, was it good? <laughs> I think it's about Arthur Me. Yeah, it's called the King's England series, right? And okay. it's appalling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like definitely, the, definitely shows the, me. The text is bad, yeah. Like, it's just, you know, it's just... I'll, I'll try and do some extra... When it becomes a bit more relevant, maybe we'll do an episode on, like, kind of the change in shape of London, you know, with yeah, yeah. and stuff. But I'll bring it back then. But there's a great map in there. It's from uh, the 50s, the book. There's a map, and, like, the areas are segregated. And there's just like a massive area called Deptford. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There's like a massive area called Lambeth. Yeah. And then there's a massive area called Camberwell. Do you know what I mean? It's all just like, it's not how you how you know things now. Yeah. Uh, but Wimbledon's not It's not boroughs and areas. Well, it is boroughs and areas. But yeah. But it's not just boroughs. It's not just areas. Exactly. And Wimbledon's not on it. And it's only because I, I was just, I pick up the book occasionally when we're doing a bit of research, when we're going to got a show coming. I only discovered it on my dad's shelf about a month ago. So it's only been relevant so far for Nunhead. And Telegraph Hill, of which I didn't really find anything useful, but might previously at some yeah, point. Yeah. But Wimbledon wasn't on there, and that's because presumably because it, Wimbledon was a, a borough um, until 1965. Oh right. But they had a great slogan, man. I don't know how to pronounce it in Latin. Uh, Sine labe decus. Oh yeah, you went to a Catholic school, man. How do you pronounce it? S i n e l a b e d c u s. Sine, yeah, sine labe decus. Sine is without. Yeah. Dacus, on a labe without honor, without stain. Ooh, that's great. That's that great. Be, uh, that sort of could work for the tennis tournament, I think, as well, isn't it? With a white, with a well, red, also, white. we can incorporate it into the Southern Hardcore logo, can't we? Oh, we could. That's, they, that's, that's now defunct. Yeah, yeah, we'll have that. Yeah. Latin as well. So, how would you say honor with occasional stain? <laughs> This 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 is uh, this is clay dust from Roland Garros. It's fine. This is <laughs> yeah, we're covering clay dust. We'll we'll have the slogan honor with. Would you be able to find out the Latin for covered in clay dust? <laughs> clay dusted socks. The new Wimbledon Theatre. That time I went to Wimbledon to see Kezia's art show. We ate dinner in Nando's, I think, or somewhere like that. But it looked out. Onto uh, you could look out the window at the new Wimbledon Field. Oh, so you saw the? Yeah, it's an impressive building. Isn't it, it is, isn't it? Do you know about the statue on the roof? Um, I don't think so. We've got a gold statue on the roof of uh, Letitia, the Roman goddess of gaiety. Letitia. <laughs> Letitia. But... More, more Letitia. If you want to hear, <laughs> hashtag more Letitia. If you want to hear. Um, yes, yeah, this giant golden statue, and she's presenting like a laurel wreath. Um, and it was removed during the war because they were worried it was uh, proving useful as a direction finder for the Luftwaffe. So oh, I did read that, actually. Yeah. Um, do you know it's put back up? Go on. 1991. <laughs> you can imagine at that point, I don't know, I'd say <laughs> around know. the 70s, you go, probably take, put that back up now. The, the know, war is... Says, every time we play them at football, you'd, you'd think that the war was like a couple of weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, it was like, a, yeah, it's just finished. After the 1990 World Cup, they they're just... like, well, 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 he's been a year <laughs> since, uh, <laughs> since that Chris Waddle penalty. 
I would argue in 1991 they should go. It's only been a year since they made uh, Paul Gascoigne cry. Definitely don't put that back up. Just that that shot of Gary Lineker pointing at his eyes, man. Yeah. It just breaks your heart, doesn't it? Not yours, obviously. I've just seen on my notes, Steve, Oronoko and the Big Black Umbrella. That was the name of episode one. So I did name the name of another one ball, but... If you thought I've forgotten it. it. Yeah, I've forgotten it again now, was it? <laughs> Oronoko. Tomsk. The um, episode of Extras with Led- Les Dennis was filmed. Of course, yeah. Yeah, where he plays a genie. Yeah. yeah. Well, New Wimbledon Theatre probably... Well, he doesn't play a genie. Does he play a genie? Or well, I don't know. Is there something... Genie? No, uh, Gervais is a genie. He's buttons. Yeah, I will, I've only seen it once. I won't watch it again. Okay. Um, yeah, probably the most famous premiere production at New Wimbledon Theatre was Lionel Bart's Oliver. Not bad, is it? Oh, never before has a boy wanted more. Nice. Off the top of your dome as well. <laughs> well, they're currently... Uh, the year six is in my school... Uh, doing a production of Olivia so a take on uh, Oliver with okay yeah but all the songs are like very similar yeah or rubbish or the same probably like when I was in year six at school right class six as it was known then I wrote a play and we performed it in in assembly for the whole school really yeah what was it called I don't remember, right? But no, no, I remember the details of it. Yeah, I yeah. also played Queen Elizabeth I, so South London, isn't it? All I'm getting now is a, a vision of Rushmore and you in <laughs> a, a beret. Like, <laughs> you in a beret going, can we get helicopters? My memory of it is that we had to sit down together and write a play, right? Um, and like, I just remember there being arguments and people getting in trouble. I remember sulking personally. And sulking so much so that I went home that night and I remember just writing, I just wrote in this, this exercise book I had, I just from start to finish wrote this play. Yeah. Um, Is it about me, Sons of the Child Genius? I took it back to school and I, I showed it to the teacher and he's like, we're doing that. So we did that, yeah. Like, and I played Queen Elizabeth. Um, <laughs> Charlie Coveney played um, Philip of Spain. And all I can remember from it is that I incorporated a telephone call there <laughs> where I as Queen Elizabeth went, um, no, no, no. He picks up the phone and goes, this is the only line of dialogue I can be, I can remember, yeah, which I don't think is accurate historically. This is Philip of Spain. We're going to invade, so be ready. <laughs> right. Um, Queen Elizabeth's like, why did I accept the reverse charges on this call? So it was a bit like that. And then we had this kind of cardboard boat we'd made and we threw all these polystyrene balls at each other. That's performed in front of the whole school. It sounds right? great. And the head teacher at the end of it goes, um, that was written by uh, Jack McEnroy. Um, and I think with some help from, uh, there's some girl who was like some boffin from the Ever Lonely. Right? <laughs> and like goes, and like in assembly goes, and I think with some help from Shelley McAfee. And in assembly I went, no, it was just me. <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm not sharing that Oscar. Yeah, uh, and they were like, well, we're going to yeah. put both the names and you're like, Alan yeah. Smithy. Alan Smithy, if, if I've got to share <laughs> yeah. it, I don't want yeah. any part of this. I'd like to thank the Academy. <laughs> They're like, you can't work out fractions, but you're throwing Alan Smithy at us. And you're like, yeah, shut uh, up. Steve, just to clarify, if anyone's, anyone doesn't, I was the best at maths in my class. So if you're saying I can't work out fractions, Sorry, I, don't, I, don't wanna, I was yeah. tearing up fractions. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah some, some famous people from Wimbledon. Three that you would imagine were from World Two backgrounds and uh, Amara Karen from the Dajin Limited, who I uh, swimmed over in earlier. She's in London. Yeah. Oh, okay, not on my list. Sri Lankan parents. Raymond Briggs is on my list. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think I mentioned to you before because I was like, uh, well, I think for all three of these, they're future sort of South London. Oh yeah, we've Hall of Fame. Raymond Briggs. Yeah, we? yeah, definitely. So we won't talk too much about. But I mean, obviously. Uh, incredibly famous children's, uh, well, children's book uh, writer and artist, but also, you know, does comics. Yeah. When the wind blows, Robert Graves. That name ring a bell? Yeah, he wrote about some about the Greeks. Yeah, Greek myths. Like my my dad work. used to write um, "Think and Think, Talk and Blues," the oh, yeah. uh, Dalish Hamlet fanzine. He used to write under the pseudonym uh, Gravely Roberts. For some reason, <laughs> I'm not sure why. And Rufus, well, because, Rufus T. Firefly. You know what that reference is? Uh, it's a Groucho Marx pseudonym from... Uh, yeah, he knows. He Marx Brothers, isn't it? All over that. Um, yeah, also wrote... Well, f- made his name with Goodbye to All That. Writing about the First World War and his friendship with Siegfried Sassoon. Um, 
Siegfried to soon stop talking to Arthur. <laughs> so, yeah, not ideal. But then went on to write uh, the Greek myths and the White Goddess, which is a sort of uh, discussion of the uh, the muse in poetry. Um, and probably most famously, I, Claudius, which was made into a TV show in the 70s. The TV show? Yeah. I, Clavdibs, though, isn't it? <laughs> Where's that gag from? That's my dad's joke. Is it your dad's joke? Knitted from somewhere I was going to say, but... I'm sure about it before, but it might be from your dad. <laughs> Most of his jokes are recycled. Say. <laughs> yeah. Womble style. And yet he will uh, offer them out on eBay. You can have that. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can use that. You can't, <laughs> can't have it. I need it back. Yeah. Um, another famous, I was going to say Wimbledonian. Womble. Womble, isn't it? Uh, Oliver Reed, born in Wimbledon. Oh, right. Yeah. Which again, you know, like we'll we'll do a whole, probably do a Hall of Fame entries for all three of those people, so we can go into a bit more detail. Mm. Three people that we probably won't do a Hall of Fame entry on, but I thought were remarkable because it's people I would never have assumed were from. Um, and also, I don't know if you'll know because it's from my youth. Um, my mate Dave. <laughs> yeah, Dave's from Wimbledon. Um, Slick Rick. Oh, the rapper? yeah, the rapper, yeah. yeah. Um, what's that? There's a Kanye West line, isn't there? I'll be like, Slick Rick and yeah. Rule Ya. Yeah, Slick Rick with the ruler, isn't it? Yeah, because Slick Rick, uh, I know, I don't know if I've told this story on the show before, about uh, Dougie Fresh and the Get Fresh crew. No. Uh, Slick Rick was in the Get Fresh crew with uh, Dougie Fresh. And me and my friends, it's sort of been 82, so we were probably 7, 82 or 83, so we're like 7 or 8 years old. And uh, Dougie Fresh and the Get Fresh was one of the first sort of mainstream... Uh, hip-hop sort of singles that sort of come out and people know it. It's remarkable. Yeah, me and my friends were just obsessed with the song. Because nothing else like you'd ever heard mm. in your life. Um, and we... Everyone else was rocking out to Grandad, weren't they? <laughs> Clem Coutini on drums. Probably on this as well. Um, yeah, so once... I think it was one summer or like a half-time thing. We decided to uh, record our own version of it. We like learned... Because oh, all we were doing was listening... One of us, probably all of us, taped it off the radio. So we're just listening. This is all we're listening to for like weeks on end. This one song, um, and we all learnt different bits. And we try and we tried to record it. It sounded terrible. But there were really? these guys. Yes, yeah, yeah. These eight-year-old kids can replicate uh, professional musicians. Who knew? Um, but there were guys who lived on the estate who were in a band, um, and they were like really. They were fascinated by this song. Firstly. Because uh, they never heard like it before, and they were—you could tell—they were really uh, pleased by our enthusiasm for it. Just seeing these kids just really into a song, and we told them we were going to record a version. And we were, yeah, make sure you play it for us when you do. And our version was so rubbish that we were really disappointed. They were going to be upset at how bad it was. So we were like, "What are we going to do?" So I was like, "We'll just play them the song." <laughs> but we had like a recording off the radio, so it was a bit. I was like, "It's a bit rough where it's off the radio." As long as we remember to stop it. Before yeah. the DJ comes back on, before Tony Blackburn says, so uh... we, we played it, and you can tell for like twenty seconds, these guys look at each other like, "This is remarkable." <laughs> <laughs> what are these eight-year-old kids? Like? And then they sort of realise eventually that we'd. Uh... So yeah, it was a uh, massively important song for Sheldon. Like the fact that Slick Rick, who, mm. as an eight-year-old, you know, Americans generally are very glamorous and very inaccessible. The idea this guy comes from South London oh, yeah, yeah. is odd. Young MC, Joe, young MC, young maestro. <laughs> he did uh, again a, a, a sort of famous uh, hip hop song uh, from from the eighties called Buster Move. It rings a bell. Yeah, you'd, you'd know it. I mean, yeah. these are all Googleable and they're all on YouTube. Uh, the show by Doggy Fresh and Get a Fresh Crew is uh, still a remarkable uh, song. And Buster Move by Young MC also uh, born. Both these people were born in Wimbledon, but moved uh, to America at a very young age. So. Um, and one who isn't a hip hop star, but another one that just surprised me because it would never have occurred to me he's from Bruce South Springsteen. London. Not a singer. Uh, Steve O from what? Jackass was born in Wimbledon. Wow. Because his dad uh, worked, I think, for the US government. So they were based in London. So he was born in Wimbledon. Not someone that you'd immediately no, associate no, with the borough. Yeah. But uh, yeah, remarkable, yeah, isn't it? So you've got sort really. of uh, Raymond Briggs, uh, Robert Graves, Oliver Reed. Uh, very classical Englishman, yeah. and then uh, you know Slick Rick, Young MC, and Steve O from Jackass, alongside him. Oh. That's Wimbledon. We talked more about Wimbledon Football Club in the episode five, I think it was. No, no, the FA Cup episode, yeah. whatever that yeah. was. So go back, you can go back to the episode guide on our website. Uh, we'll revisit is... them in the future as well, I'm sure. Yeah, they'll come up again. Yeah. So SouthLondonHardcore.com, click, click episode guide, top left hand corner. Uh, remember you can subscribe on iTunes so much easier than the way you're currently getting it 
<laughs> Unless you subscribe to iTunes, yeah. in which case it's just as convenient. Way in that case, again. comment, isn't it? Um, at SLHC Podcast on Twitter, you can email us, saffronthecardcore at gmail.com. Although, uh, I think anybody ever has. Oh, uh, Podbean do to sort of announce new offers. Yeah. You're like, how about offering a reasonable service? <laughs> Podbean. Is that, in, is that including uh, your offer? Not, there... NB, not including your offer. A reasonable is there any service. way you could do less maintenance, Podbean? <laughs> is there any way you could make your you, system just work? killing me. <laughs> um, yeah, keep an eye on the website because I'll be putting up. Supplementary material, tennis matches, Buster move, probably Oliver Reed wrestling someone on a rug in front of a fire. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. That's the sort of mm-hmm. thing you can expect. Mm-hmm.